Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey guys, welcome to another podcast on real life stories of private practices. And today I am joined with Dr. Abby Weissman, who is a psychologist in San Diego area. You have a couple offices, so I'll let you talk about that later, but welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've known you over a year now, I think. Yeah. yeah Tell me about how long you've been in private practice and why you got into private practice. Let's see. I've been in private practice since a couple months after I met you. So it's been about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got into private practice because I thought it would be the best way that I could utilize my skill set. I find that I do not have a strength in completing large amounts of paperwork. (laughs) That's not where I thrive. That rules out government. I'm in trouble. Government, you know, prison, <laughs> government, mm-hmm. relating to community mental health. I'm uh-huh. pretty much in trouble. So I figured a private practice would give me kind of what my brain needed in order to stay on task and really support people. Mm-hmm. And prior to the private practice, what were you doing? Studying for licensure. Oh, okay. So yeah, pretty direct. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And being a psych assistant for someone else in a private practice. All right. So what is your specialty in your practice? Do you have a niche? I do. Funny you should ask that. Funny I should ask that. Good question. Um, I focus on people who identify as transgender and those who love them. Mm -hmm. And I also have a special interest in working with people who are social justicely minded. Mm. Nice. Especially around issues of sexuality and gender, but... Mm -hmm. Any sort of social justice. That's your thing. Yeah. So why that niche? Do you mind me asking that? No, not at all. <laughs> ask me anything. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So why, how did you land there? Um, because I think when I first started working with you all, I was like, no, it's trans. Trans all the time. Trans 24-7. And then I realized, as you had aptly stated, even when I said that I focused on trans clients, that other clients would filter in who liked a person that could handle and could aptly talk about what it was like to be a transgender person in this Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And they were usually ones that had kind of a a pull or some sort of drive towards social justice. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in talking about how people are treated and power and inequality. Does that come through your own story, your own work in social justice? Well, yes. (laughs) Yes, it definitely does. It's certainly how I see the world. And I think I have a master's in human sexuality before I got my doctorate in clinical psychology. So, and that the people on my committee were a sociologist and an anthropologist. I just always felt like the community was where I needed to make sure I was locating my practice and my people and wanted to make sure that I was talking about the outside world and how it was reflected in mm-hmm. people to community. Like that, it's a big intervention for me. How can we get you from being, you know, it's like you're isolated. How can we connect you to a community that would fit you? 
Yeah. So for those that are, who are listening that don't know, in San Diego, we have an area called Hillcrest where a lot of LGBTQ, if the community is, I guess, concentrated or known as, mm -hmm. but that is not where your office started originally. No. Where'd you put your office? I put my office north about 30 minutes to an hour up in North Inland area in Poway. Okay. So let's talk, just talk demographically. When people think of that area, what do they think of? Of Poway? Mm-hmm. Um, rich white people, retired people. Uh-huh. Who are probably white and conservative. Right. Um, I'm learning it has a multiplicity of religious groups. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of different religious institutions around. But yeah, white, straight, Presbyterian, or other Protestant. Okay. So I, well, I wanted to talk about this because this is something... I mean, generally, if someone asks me, oh, where should I start a private practice? I'm like, meet your clients where they're at. Now, you are meeting your clients where they're at, but it's not traditionally what people think of. So can you talk a little bit about why that area? Okay. I have many reasons for this area. Yeah. Uh, one is that I grew up in suburban Boston mm -hmm. um, in a Jewish suburb. And so I always wanted to work in that same kind of feel of an area where you always had to go into the city to get your needs met, you know? And so I thought, well, you know, what would it be like if the city came a little bit out, if the city and all of its queerness and liberal attitudes could come a little out to suburbia where I was longing for it as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one. Um, this felt like home to me coming up to Poway. Um, it's, it reminds me a lot of Wellesley, which is the rich, white, Protestant suburb next to Newton, where I grew up. Um, so it's like comfortable. I'm like, oh, I can do this suburban thing. This is good. Um, I know this language. Um, so that was comforting. And then, yeah, I mean, the other reasons are like the personal part is that I grew up with awesome a father who was in private practice himself, but as an eye doctor. And we would run into so many people in the neighborhood all the time. Um, and I wanted to be a little bit away. I wanted a chance to get out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what we talked about last time, that there's that whole thing that queer people can travel. <laughs> and so far... Only been a couple days into the new uh, the new uh, presidency, mm -hmm. um, but so far we can travel to some places. And right. So I found that um, it would be a good neighborhood for people to travel to. Right. See, this is the thing: is like when I when I would first answer that question, concretely, it's okay. Hillcrest. That's where. Mm -hmm a lot of queer communities are, blah, blah, blah. But there are also elsewhere, they just maybe aren't as out and visible, but it means they're there. So it's about being in touch with your ideal client, right? And where they are. What is that face for, Abby? <laughs> well, I think it's, I, I didn't realize, like I, when I did some of the research that you all had recommended on um, the, the demographic space. Yeah. I really wanted to go to a wealthier population because 
I knew that um, with my love of paperwork, I was not going to be part of every panel. And so I wanted to make sure I could reach people that could actually afford my services. Um, And so that was great. And I was like, oh, this feels good. Um, But I didn't realize that I was also going into a market that I hadn't anticipated, which is parents and parents wanting support for their kids and parents in the Poway school district is one of the best. And so parents are expecting good quality care for their kids on a, you know, they're expecting a specialty provider and they're expecting it to rock. Mm -hmm. So I could really address that need. Um, And then as I was telling you before, I opened up um, a day a week in Hillcrest because I Mm -hmm. found that yeah, people are like, all the queers are going to be in Hillcrest. So all the queer therapists are going to be in Hillcrest. Who's this person in Poway? Like that makes no sense to me. I'm going to go, go to Hillcrest. So I would see them in Hillcrest, Bankers Hill area. And then, through the course of the first couple of minutes would find out that they lived in Poway, that they worked <laughs> that their best friend lived in Escondido, a town over or Rancho Bernardo, yeah. that some part of their life always took place there or that they were actually traveling from even more North, like Temecula to come down to see me in Hillcrest. Cause they thought that's what they had to do to get services. Wow. And I was like, well, actually I could see you in Poway if you want. Mm-hmm. That'll cut your time in half. And hey, you know, I'm open on Sundays, at least right now. Um, So after you go to church or when everyone else is in church and you don't know what to do because you're Jewish, you can come see me instead. (laughs) So it's, I've been able to loud the um, praise, the beauty of Poway. I mean, it might have some unadulterated use of water, which could be good or bad depending (laughs) on the world. That people don't understand that. It's just, it's very manicured and yeah, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it's very pretty, but it requires a lot of water to maintain that pretty. So yeah, I think, yeah. And I think, um, this is another point for people that are listening is look around and do you see everyone represented? And if not, there might be a big need for you to show up and serve people that are not represented in the community that don't have support and think like that they have to travel an hour and a half to get a therapist that knows how to work with what they're going through or that can even understand and speak the language. So it's not just looking around and seeing if the clients are there. It's also looking around and seeing like what's missing and can I fill a gap here? And can I be known in that? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the therapists that I've talked to in Hillcrest and Bankers Hill and Mission Valley are like, well, of course I have people from Poway come see me. And I'm like, I hope not anymore. But yes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone from Poway is like, well, I go to Hillcrest. That's where they are. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, that's where we're out. Yeah. But, and I mean, the company, the name of my corporation is Waves a psychological corporation. So here I am inland talking about the ocean. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you don't really get a lot of beautiful vistas when you're, except for the manicured lawns. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's okay to bring some ocean mm-hmm. inside. Yeah. So what's been the hardest part of your journey in creating your practice? Um, hardest. Ooh, there's many. <laughs> I think, 
um, convincing people that there's a need, um, convincing an average um, heterosexually oriented cisgender person who's not an awesome therapist um, that there is a need for this population and that it's not enough to be friendly. It's not enough to be like, I have a gay friend. I'm like, that's great. How do they feel about being your gay friend and not, you know, Bob, the super cool baseball player. <laughs> um, but that there's actually a real depth to this care and that there's meaning and that people are really scared right now and that there's a lot of places for hope. I'm going to be honest. Has yeah. that been hard within just the therapist community? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. I think people are not um, that willing to pay for training thing has been a little harder. I have been really grateful to get um, some opportunity to consult with folks more recently. Mm -hmm. and that's been great. Um, and to do some trainings with area um, bigger group practices or um, community clinics about like how to approach a trans person. Um, but they expect it to be included because they're not in private practice. So they don't feel like they have the resources to bring in someone from the outside mm -hmm. and yet they're getting paid so much more consistently with benefits and have so much access. So it's that sort of disconnect of you need to bring me in and not just once, um, yeah. because actually layers of work. Um, and like, I remember bringing in a 101. I'm like, okay, this is Abby's 101. My wife laughing at me. She's like, this is not 101. I'm like, <laughs> we can do this. I don't want to explain the difference between sex and gender again. Like I'm done. Like just, you know, I'll yeah, send in my piece. That's where people are. I think. That's where people are. And, and so I'll just put in a plug here. Yeah, please. If um, you guys haven't noticed, Abby does do training. <laughs> so and consultation. So if you need to consult or get some support, reach out to her. I'll get, I'm going to put her contact stuff in, but there's more than um, her therapy. She's also very yeah. involved in um, advocating within our field. So yes. I think that brings to mind that all of us in some way or another are going to encounter peers and colleagues who mm -hmm. say no that can't be done or I don't know why you're doing that I mean just in our mastermind group today someone posted that their supervisor was like you can't make money in this field and so there's going to be people that don't understand so and that and that can be hard and so what has helped you deal with that hmm. I, I think I have a steadfast core Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where I became so uh, diligent, mm -hmm. or some people might affectionately refer to as stubborn, um, but I'm stubborn. I mean, you all were like, I think you should consider Hillcrest, or maybe Oceanside. We need people there. And I was like, not traveling to Ocean. That's a long distance <laughs> for me. I can do the 15. Um, I will go as far as I can, but there was something about it that I'm like, nope, this actually feels right to me. I'm not sure what it is, but it, my gut is crying. Stay here anyway. Um, so that's another good point. Just because someone makes a suggestion doesn't mean yeah. it's always right. Why are we just assuming, I, you know, like, well, I must not know. No. And then I realize, I like, we just, we're doing it. Well, yeah. I think um, part of coaching is just trying to help sort through all the options, but ultimately mm -hmm. you decide and you know, what's yes. best for you always. And so. I really appreciated that. Cause I've, um, quick plug of you is that <laughs> both of you, 
is that uh, I've known other coaches who are like, you need to sign a contract that you're doing it my way for the next oh. year. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't No, like this isn't the right coach for me because I can't do that. Like I yeah. have really, really strong ethical value. And you have opinions. <laughs> I have opinions and I have yeah. feelings. Yes. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be in private practice so that someone else can guide me and tell me what to do. Yeah. If I wanted that, I'd work in a. Yeah. And your story is a reminder to me of like that whole piece of, okay, you want to go here. Where's the need and how, how do you find the need within that mm -hmm. community, wherever you are at? So I appreciate you teaching me that or reminding me mm -hmm. of it. Um, Cause sometimes, yeah, we all, we're all still learning. I think, um, for me, in terms of like the, you're talking about the core, that is my experience mm -hmm. of you, but also awesome. having other people that can reflect that core back. Yes. And can, when you feel like, <laughs> you know, frustrated or um, overwhelmed, whether that be your um, spouse, friend, or colleague, having people that know you that can mm -hmm. remind you of it. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. I would say my therapist. I mean, I like to give back to the community wherever I can. So, <laughs> as I affectionately refer to her, um, has been really helpful. I mean, you've certainly been very helpful in all those long email rants of like, okay, is this the right thing to do? And you're like, this doesn't sound right. And I'm like, but what about this? And you're like, still doesn't sound right, Abby, but good try, you know? <laughs> and mom and people that I've grown to really appreciate have been just become a really big part of my life in a way I didn't expect pre-boot camp. Uh -huh. um, I think I also, uh, if it's okay to give a plug of my own, of course, not of my stuff, but I decided to join. I was asked to join the board of directors um, for the San Diego psychology association. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I've heard such horror stories about when you volunteer, then it's, it's all over. Um, and so I was very clear in the beginning, like my goal is my private practice and my family and I need to know what my duties are so that I know, you know, what's going to go on. And even then they switched things around, but I still felt like I could say no. Good. And I said yes. Um, and so now I'm the, still the co-chair of the LGBT committee in San Diego Psych, which is open to practitioners of all you know, stripes and stars and circles and hearts. Um, and then I'm also on the board of directors and it's been really powerful for me mm -hmm. um, because we've been, they've been great about stepping up and responding, for instance, to that, um, oh my goodness, the society that's coming in June to protest why homosexuality is wrong. Right. We got together and created the letter that's been published, March together in the Women's March. Um, invited people in from other groups, and I just, I'm proud of them. 
and I'm proud to be a part of it. And so now when I go to different events, I can also talk about, you know, why I'm a member, why I think it's important to bring us together during this time. And I appreciate that. Because sometimes I think um, we don't know why we're members. I know I've struggled with that. I've talked about this, honestly, in other podcasts and blogs of like, I don't know why, but I see you advocating and I see the work you're doing and Mm -hmm. uh, you should be proud. That's that's great. Yeah. When you, uh, what's been kind of the best part about having a private practice? I love my clients. They're the best. As I like to say, they're the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I even realized like as one kind of terminated or ended time with me, um, it was like one of the best experiences I've had. Like here was this person able to ask for what they needed and they were able to ask for a change. And although my first impression was like, oh no, I want to work with you more. Like I think there's more growth here and there's more possibility that they asked for what they wanted. Oh, that was such a cool feeling. And that I could honor that and say, yeah, go for it. That sounds awesome. I'm around if you need me. I'm around if you need further help. Um, but yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And let's end this well. Mm-hmm. The kind of work that you get to do is really a joy. Yeah. And the people, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, there's so much hope and possibility Mm -hmm. that I don't realize I'm carrying around with me until I run into someone who's needs a little piece of it and that they have the ability to say, wait, you know, and I call myself Abby and it, wait, Abby, like, what do you think of me? And I'm like, I think you're a human being, you know, (laughs) I think it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I love it. What do you see? in the future for your practice? I see lots of good, hopefully happy things, maybe making a living wage. (laughs) Very excited about that part. Um, I am in the process of hiring a psychology assistant. So we're just waiting for the board to approve her number so she can start a practice under my license Mm -hmm. up here in Poway. And she focuses on a slightly different perspective, but um, more on like learning differences and difficulties and all that stuff, but with a queer happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking forward to expanding training. Mm -hmm. My real goal is to have a a full-time private practice or even maybe a group practice in Hillcrest and one up here in Poway and then train people in Hillcrest and bring them to Poway. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more need that I can provide myself. I'm getting full. Mm-hmm. And that's so exciting. It's been a year and a half and I'm getting full. Like, what yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I'm sure when you said make a living wage, people are like, well, you've been doing this a year. Um, everyone's got different definitions of that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, living wage looks different everywhere, but plus like full looks different for everyone and the process oh, yeah. and the journey. I'm not kidding. Some people are fine with taking a few years. Some people aren't everyone's different. So how have you kind of organized that for yourself? Um, I think I'm very good at busy. Mm -hmm. And although I try very hard to be mindful and practice mindfulness, I'm very good at packing my schedule. And so that's definitely a step. My next step of my journey is going to be how to streamline, Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't realize I would be dealing with so early. Like I just got the notice saying I need to um, 
redo my license, re-up my license. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like it hasn't even been two years yet. Like that's amazing to me. Um, I think, yeah. So what was your question? I well, got well, how do you feel about how long it's taking you or the income growth yeah. and that sort of thing? How do you be with that? And because everyone's got different feelings around it. And I'm sure people are yeah. listening to you and having their own reactions as to what should be or how it should happen. Mm -hmm. So how has it been for you with handling that journey of the income and the growth? Uh, I feel like I'm weird and atypical in a lot of ways because <laughs> of many things, right? Things that I will probably never mention on this period. <laughs> but in the ways of financial, like I grew up in a middle, upper, upper middle class life. Yeah. And as an identity. And I didn't realize I had that identity until I got to college and everyone else was on scholarship and I wasn't. And so I grew up with the expectation that it was possible. And that's very different from most of my colleagues, like to the point where it brings tears to my eyes. Like that's not expected. And that's not necessarily an expected thing that I've seen in a lot of people who are trying to figure out what does it mean to be different than my parents? I want to be the same as my parents, but from a different trajectory. Yeah. And that's what I struggle with is can I be successful and make more than a living wage, but not be a medical doctor? and not approach things the way they do. So I struggle with like, I'm different, but I still want the same or similar, um, the ability to make similar decisions about vacations and things like that. Are you seeing so, it more as a possibility now? I am. I think I'm, I think I'm going to, yeah. I also decided, <laughs> can't speak in complete sentences at this moment. I do. And I think I had a number from when I was um, figuring out my, you know, my budget and how I had to um, ask for what I wanted for prices of sessions and things. I've kept it the same. I haven't moved it up in the next year um, because I'm not really, I don't think I'm at the point where I'm taking home the money that I want to take home versus just putting it back into my business structure. So I've been very blessed to have a wife who's working so that I can do this and parents who can still lend financial support, which is very different. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's hope. I think the other thing is I took a part-time job as, um, a telemental health provider mm -hmm. and that's definitely had its ups and downs. I think it took a very long time to get started like a year. And so at that point I was like, I don't really need this. Like, actually I want the day to do my paperwork and the data, you know, see some clients on my own. Um, but I took it because I thought it would be of benefit to um, see a, a wider variety of clients, to give back to the community, to get on a Medicare panel, to have someone else, if God forbid this person were suicidal, I would have a support team of people to support them. And I felt like it was giving back to a rural community to have someone with an LGBT focus. Mm -hmm. So I'm at it. Um, I'm one day a week there, and that's provided more of a steady income. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like, all right, it's time to pay Abby. <laughs> yeah. Yay. I think that's the other thing that people don't realize, like even if you're profitable, a lot of people don't pay themselves for a long time. Yeah. I am different. I've paid Yay. myself since the beginning. Um, that's because I had to. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, um, but that's something else to think about and to talk with your accountant and stuff mm -hmm. like that 
when you're doing your kind of planning of when do you pay yourself? Um, right. Yeah. So Can I- all that to say that this is why I love doing these interviews is because everyone has different trajectories. Yes. The, the question is, is it working for you? Um, are you happy doing it? What, are you learning from it and being intentional, learning lessons and then making new decisions based on that, you know? And I love people seeing how others are doing it. So thank yeah. you for sharing your story about it. My pleasure. So if someone is thinking about going into private practice, do it. One tip you would have for them. Oh my goodness. One tip. That's so mean. (laughs) I know that's mean to do to Abby. I know. know, Abby has many thoughts and feelings. (laughs) I know. Um, To be your full self. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of crud to, you don't have to be your, full unfiltered self, I encourage people to have boundaries and take good care of what it means to interact with others. And, um, and I find that, as I said in that blog, the more I am myself, my full quirky self, the better people actually are finding me and not just what I pretend I am. Yeah. No no pretend. I mean, it's exhausting. Oh, it's so tiring and it's not real. And I don't want to be, forget that. I don't want to be, I want to be an authentic person that people can actually contact and that people can grow, you know, grow themselves to be their best people with. I don't, I feel like authenticity is really important. And so why would I want to give anything less? It just seems mean and cruel and perpetrating this idea that society is made up of people who just put on fronts, so that they can, you know, get their needs met without yeah. being real and full. Yeah. See, I, I don't want that. That's my hope, even like with Zinni Me stuff, is that yeah. you read a blog or whatever, and then you sit in a room with me, and it maybe it's a louder version or, <laughs> you know, a more silly version, but it's still the core of who I am, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not a surprise to people so that they know what they're getting from the beginning, you know, and um, that's great. Same with my clients. Sometimes, you know, like self-disclosure does come up in session. And I think one mm-hmm. time I said something about where I had disclosed something about like roller derby and my client said, I always knew it. <laughs> She's like, it makes sense. Like, so, you know, like how you show up in the room or whatever, mm-hmm. that it's consistent. And I think if that creates fear in someone hearing that from you, then it's a great time to start figuring that self out because Mm -hmm. your business is going to reflect it back to you. Um, And us as therapists need to be solid in ourselves as well, or be working Mm -hmm. on it. It's not always perfect, but um, what better time than to use opportunity to figure out, okay, like who am I really? And um, what am I about? That's why I love therapists going to therapy. Just gonna um, say, <laughs> I actually really love seeing therapists and other healers yeah. from other professions. Yeah. I find that that work is incredibly meaningful and gets them to like a deeper place of yeah. really resonating. Like we're similar. We have similar reactions to these things, but how can I be more real in yeah. the end of the work I do? I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, maybe consult with you or hire you for a training or refer to you, how could they find you? 
Um, currently, they can find me on my website at www.doctorabi.com. Dr. Abby. Dr. Abby, <laughs> yeah. Abby's spelled differently. Yeah, you I like me. it. Like, I was originally going to be Dr. Abby Weissman, but it turned out to be Drabby Weissman when you said it out loud. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not what I want. That might be, I don't know. It's not what I want to be authentic, you know? So now I'm Dr. Abby, um, dot com, or you can just give me a call 619-403-5578. That number does not accept text though. So if you text me, it goes into a big hole that I will never have access to. So please call me or email me at info at drabby.com. And I can't believe we didn't talk about religion, but I'm also really passionate about oh, religion gosh. and sexuality. So, or yes. ah, that's way. true. I, you're right, and I know that about you. I know because we talked about that. So, yes. yes, I don't know. Oh, We're just talking more about the business side, but this is very um, true. I mean, like, um, I don't know how to say this. Like, you have a unique point of view and that you're able to hold areas that are controversial or tense in multiple places. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, this as a compliment, but like, take it like that. Okay, good. Like in terms of gender, sexuality, Mm -hmm. religion, these are all uh, uncomfortable topics for a lot of people or things that come with a lot of um, dogma and there's just a lot (laughs) behind them and there's an intersectionality between them. Mm that you're able to, um, to understand and hold tension with. And I appreciate that about you. I've learned from you in that area as well. So thank you for that. So they'll just have to go to the website and read more about it, but please, please. You have a great story, Abby. And so thank you for sharing. Thank you so much, Kelly. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, you guys, if you have questions, post in the comments below. If you're on the vlog, check out Abby and we'll see you next time. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.